Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. A Toronto man who claims that he has PTSD is now suing the province and the feds for $100,000. The allegation is that they breached their duty of care to protect him. His name is Mark Ferrant, and he was a juror and the foreman who sat on a murder trial where he had heard details about a woman who was stabbed multiple times and killed by her boyfriend, and then her body was burned. Ferrant says it was after hearing those details and seeing the images They started to suffer from things like insomnia, anxiety, depression, and many, many other issues. And I should point out that before this lawsuit, Ferrant was very vocal, spearheading recent changes to how juries are protected. And that conversation came about with the Tim Bosma trial, where Ferrant uh, stated that the jurors deserve to be protected by what they were hearing. And so as a result, the province did make support available to jurors. Mark Ferrant joins us now to talk about why he is now stepping forward to launch a lawsuit. So, Mark, you are suing both the federal and provincial government for $100,000 because you say they did not um, properly protect you while covering a trial. Why? Well, jurors perform uh, an enormous public service um, every day across the country, and um, they observe mundane cases and they observe graphic cases and in in the case that I sat on I was unable to um, partition and separate myself from the evidence that I saw in trial and learned um, to my dismay that when I needed help um, to get back to my life post-trial there were no services available to me as a juror because at the time in Ontario they had to be appointed those uh, counseling services had to be um, issued by a judge mm-hmm. at the time. So I spent uh, an inordinate amount of time getting sicker and sicker and sicker and really at the mercy of the, the public health care system to try and find um, a practitioner who could, who could bring me back, so to speak. And so, um, so this is um, really meant to ensure that this doesn't happen again to somebody else. So tell me what it was that um, led you to conclude it was post-traumatic due to your, I guess, duties as a juror instead of just life in general. What was it that triggered you and then you were able to connect it to, to that particular case? Well, it was the evidence in the case that, that um, I was not able to separate myself from. So it was clear that I was not uh, returning to my normal life after a, a lot of stress experienced in, in the courtroom. So I, I was bombarded by images that I saw in the trial. I couldn't, uh, you know, walking, just walking around normally, I would just uh, constantly see uh, images and, and um, experiences from that case, and it just wouldn't go away. So it just happened over and over and over again. Um, and so it was it was those um, experiences and symptoms that led to the diagnosis of, of PTSD. I covered courts for 23 years, and, and the images do, in fact, haunt you. It doesn't matter uh, how many you do, they, they 
they pop up in your head daily. Um, it, it doesn't really matter when when you covered it. They do tend to appear in your life um, and give you pause for thought. Um, did you have other jurors who also experienced the same thing as you from that particular case? You know, some panels, when um, you form as a, as a jury, um, come together as a group and they, they, um, they unite and they share experiences and others don't. And it just so happened on the case that I sat on, we were very much a, a group of strangers who really, at the end of the day, didn't um, communicate to each other um, to any great extent. We really went on with our lives. Um, at the end of each day, we literally would separate and, and march off into different corners of the world and return home. Um, so I haven't been in touch with them. Um, I, don't, I don't know. So um, if, it, if it happens to one person, I, I really believe that that's enough. Um, if it happens to all, all 12, then, you know, so be it. You know, it was really the Tim Bosma trial that seemed to get this conversation going for you. I covered the Tim Bosma trial, so I was there every day. I know exactly what the evidence was. And what was it about that trial, do you think, that, that people were able to pause and say, yeah, I think we've got a problem here? And I've spoken to uh, Tim Bosma jurors uh, mm-hmm. from that case, and one of them joined me in a letter-writing campaign to the Justice Minister and the Prime Minister in May, what was called the, the 12 Angry Letters campaign. I think the, the sheer horror of that case and the innocence of, of um, Mr. Bosma and his family um, and the overwhelming um, misery of that case, and, and it, it impacted Canadians from coast to coast. Um, you're, and, and again, jurors see all of that, and, and in some cases, it's just the, it's the macabre horror of, of how an individual is taken out of this world that you just can't fathom. But jurors see everything, we, and there, there's evidence that never becomes public that jurors see, um, for better or for worse, it's part of the justice system. Not to mention, they're not allowed to talk about it. They're not allowed to talk about anything that they, you know, talk about uh, when they're sequestered. They're not allowed to talk about the deliberations. So there's really no outlet. That's right. There's no outlet. And, and really, you know, jurors aren't even really supposed to be talking about the case in trial uh, itself. And certainly at the end of the trial, you're instructed, as you said, not to speak about the del- deliberations or specifics of the case. And so if you're feeling these awful symptoms and you're, and you're unable to partition yourself from the horrors of, of a gruesome graphic trial, again, you, it's very difficult to seek help, um, as, as it was for me. So y- you, you internalize it, and in the end, you, you tend to get um, more and increasingly ill. And that's not fair for jurors. That's, um, we, we, we do this enormous civic uh, service and civic duty, but it doesn't mean you have to suffer as a result from it and certainly not have any, any immediate avenue to say, I need help, I need to get back to life. Yeah, I mean, I guess what sets a, a reporter doing it uh, to a juror is that uh, we can talk about it um, and shoot the breeze and kind of get it out of our system that way, whereas you then live in silence because you can't even talk to your family. That's right. And, and you have the, uh, the luxury of getting up and leaving whenever you want. So as a reporter, you can get up, walk out of the room, take a break, walk down the hall, come back. Um, as a juror, you're fixed and you are also um, transfixed because you're taking in all of the evidence. Um, and certainly jurors, when they um, become part of the panel, uh, 
more often than not, they're paying enormous attention, rightly so, to all of the evidence that's being presented. You don't want to take your eyes away from it, even in, even in cases where it's, it's, it's utterly horrific. There are those who say, you know, we should follow the American style of jury system where, you know, those jurors can write books about it. They come out, they talk to the media. It's not a system that I would prefer. I'd prefer television cameras in the courtroom. But do you think that it would be easier for Canadian jurors if, in fact, they could talk about things? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I, some jurors uh, prefer the, 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 the system where um, we don't talk about it and, and we become, uh, we sort of seep back into our, our lives because we're not expected to um, uh, defend or talk about a decision in court. Um, and some of the some of the media circus that can happen at the end of a, of a of a sensational trial is also very traumatic for jurors, especially if the the verdict, let's say, goes in a direction that seems otherwise. Well, like take the the current case in Saskatchewan that is very highly uh, racially charged. You know, I'm not sure a jury would want to be isolated and spoken to in the media. No, and and I I'm and I'm sure those jurors, you know, again. You know, trauma in court isn't necessarily from the the graphic evidence that you um, that you're uh, witnessing. Sometimes it's just the trauma of of the trial and trauma of the of the decision. And and in some cases, if the decision goes the other way, supposedly, um, that can be very um, uh, very tough for a juror to get over. And, I, and I'm sure those jurors in Saskatchewan who are feeling the ire of the of the the public, it's that's that's got to be very difficult for them. But again, they're judges of the facts, and and we don't know what went on in that courtroom. I think someone would would, su- would suggest that you have already won because you've actually been able to make a change to the system. Well, I'm I'm I mean I'm I I'm very grateful and and very uh, glad that this issue was taken as seriously as it was and that this has become part of a national conversation and that we are talking about it and certain governments have, have put programs in place. But, you know, the, we're also looking at <laughs> programs that weren't in place and weren't in place for, for decades. And we, this issue has been long overlooked, and, and it certainly unraveled my life. I'm not the same person now coming out of that trial as I was going in. My life is very different now. I'm not the same person. And I understand. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. That is Mark uh, Ferrant joining us. I, I don't think anyone's ever the same once they come out of that experience. It doesn't really necessarily just uh, have to do with, with jurors. I wake up every single day and I think of Randall Dooley. Every single day. Randall Dooley, Tori Stafford. I think about them all the time. I get images in my head of the autopsy pictures. They never leave you. Tim Bosma, they never leave you. None of them. Jane Kreba, never leave you. Um, so, you know, if you're not used to this kind of thing can be pretty traumatic, but I, I don't think I don't think everyone uh, goes through PTSD. I do think it would affect some people, but but not all. Uh, but nonetheless, an interesting chat.